Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first official episode of the Cara Podcast. This first month, we are going to be talking about business in the context of the Bible. So today I have my dad with me, Matt Brown. He is one of the most amazing people I know. He is so successful and he is he has a lot of experience. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, dad? Well, hello, Madeline. Thanks for uh, having me on your inaugural podcast of episode. Course, dad. Very excited to be here. Well, uh, my name is Matt Brown, as uh, Madeline said, and uh, helping launch brands, create brands, and uh, launch new companies. For about the last 12 years, I was a turnaround specialist, meaning that I would go into failing organizations or into uh, advertising agencies that needed to be turned around, needed to be rebuilt, or maybe new acquisitions, uh, create new life and new new ideas for those companies and help them to grow again. And then for the last seven years, um, I've been a co-founder of Brand Metal, uh, which is a, a brand strategy an incubator for startup companies. So my dad has quite a lot of experience and he is the perfect guest for today's episode because today we are going to start off this series by talking about what God says about our jobs, how we can change the culture of our jobs, and how we can kind of getting into that topic of how we can use our job for ministry. I want to start off by saying the average American adult works 38.7 hours a week, which is a lot and there are definitely people in the world that work way more than 40 hours a week but i was gonna say i think i'd i think i'd probably double that every week so <laughs> that know. that seems low to me i know i read the statistic and i was like what that seems like it's kind of short so i kind of already gave a background on what i do i have a lot of different side hustles including a full-time job i'm also in the middle of the workforce being in the workforce and also having a faith made me realize what in the world does god say about having a job i was like hmm, i wonder what god says and it says whatever you do work heartily as for the lord and not for men and i think a lot of times we read these verses and we're like Okay, well, that's pretty self-explanatory, but I think it's really important to dive into the context. Obviously, most of you know that the Bible was translated from Greek and from Hebrew. To really understand the context of these verses, we have to go and read those translations sometimes word for word, which is why I love the ESV version. So when I was diving into the Greek form of this verse, the word sehis, Greek, when it says work heartily, it says work from the soul. This is not just, oh, I'm doing my job and I love it. It's work from the soul. Make who you are, making not making your job your identity, obviously. Our identity is in Christ. I, I think I think part of that is, you know, God created us and and he took great joy in doing so, right? And so he, he wants to see us use our talents. He he made us all so uniquely individual and, and gave us each unique talents and and has a plan for each of us in this world and, and what we do here on earth um, for the kingdom. And so I think when when he thinks about how we, uh, I, I think he takes delight. I think he takes joy in watching us use our talents to help other people and to, and to uh, help the kingdom of God. Very yeah, much so. Definitely. And then when I was going through verses again, I found Genesis 2 verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So my notes for this was, God rested, y'all. And I know that we've talked about this before in church, but I just want to emphasize that while we're called to work from the soul, I want to emphasize that it is not our identity. Our job should not be the end-all, be-all. Jesus is the end-all, be-all. And if God took time to rest, you need to take time to rest too. 
If you are working those 38.7 hours per week, make sure that you have time in there to rest. And I don't mean rest like for me, it's gotta be Instagram reels, so cringe, I know. But take time to rest and get in the word. That rest is rest with Jesus, rest with rest your soul because you're working from your soul. I like that a lot. I think uh, I think it's the hardest part. We're we're just in a culture where this is where we yes. we do and we move fast and and we I was I was saying to somebody this weekend actually at church. You know, a lot of times people say, "Well, how are you?" and the very first thing that we say is, "We're busy." And yes. uh, I've been trying to convince myself to not just answer, "All oh, busy." I am busy. I have a lot going on, but but I don't know that that's a true how am I? And and frankly, if I'm so busy that that's my first response, I probably could stand to rest a little more too. Yeah, that's really good. I am definitely guilty of constantly saying I'm busy. So this kind of goes into our second topic of today. What I found in this verse is that we're set apart. And obviously every pastor who goes over this says we're set apart and we are. In that, we're set apart to use every opportunity for ministry, especially in our jobs too. In my career history, I've been CEO about a half a dozen times of a half a dozen companies. And and uh, and so you are literally you know, the leader of the organization, you have hundreds of people looking at you, you know, we'll talk about this probably a little bit later here, but you, you have to always remember that when you're in that role, and especially when you're in that role, and you have identified yourself as a believer, everything that you say, and that you do has a totally different and, and an even higher scrutiny on it than if you were just mm -hmm. simply the CEO. And so um, remembering who you are, and that you are the kingdom of God is a really important, important thing to keep in mind. Yes, definitely. Hopefully that gives y'all a better understanding of what God says about our jobs. We're meant to do them to the best of our abilities. We're called to use them for ministry. But I want to change gears and kind of talk about how we can really use the jobs that we have for ministry and how we can use those to benefit Jesus. In one of my classes this year, it was called Goals, Priorities, and Attitudes, taught by Kristen McClellan and Dave Dillon at Williamson Christian College. It was just the best time by Stephen C. London. And it was based around the Pike Place Market in Seattle. Have you heard of that? Mm -hmm, very much so. Yes, it is. People go there from far and wide to watch these people throw fish around and have the best time doing a really gross job, but they make it fun. And the whole idea of this book is you are in charge of the culture of your workplace. And so in class, we read this book. We discussed how we can change the culture of our jobs and kind of dug into this book. It was a game changer for me because I obviously love my job, but it's pretty much just me and my coworker. I'm going to, I'm going to call him Bob. I'm not going to put his real name on here and Bob. And when you work in a environment where you see so many people come and go, there's always going to be different people who think differently, who act differently, who believe different things than you. This book just really changed my view of how I carry myself in my job and what I do. The four main principles that Stephen C. London kind of wrote down for this fish book is choose your attitude, play, make their day, and be there. So to kind of briefly go into those, choose your attitude is pretty self-explanatory. Choose your attitude when you go into your job. Play, have fun with what you're doing. It's not, it doesn't need to be this grueling, tiresome work. Have fun with it. Make your coworkers day. Do something nice for someone around you because truthfully, you don't know what people are dealing with at work. You just don't. And be there. Be there for your coworkers. Be there for the people that you're serving. And I feel like this really ties in with the Matthew 14 through 16 that we were just talking about, about how we're called to be the salt and the light of the world and how we're supposed to be different. <laughs> Matthew 5, 13 says, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? 
it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So before we discuss this in more depth, Dad, I just want to say I kind of dove into this verse a little bit because I was like, this is interesting. And Dave Guzik, an author, um, did some commentary on this and he said that furthermore, the present tense expresses a constant condition and indicates that saltiness is continually to be the lifestyle of every citizen of the kingdom of heaven every day of their life on earth. So you might have heard before that salt in the olden times preserved decaying meat since they didn't have fridges and freezers. If the salt was bad, it's not going to preserve that decaying meat anymore. So if we are useless salt, we're not, we're not helping preserve the decaying culture that we live in, and we might as well be useless, which is why we're constantly called to be good salt. I just kind of want to know, have you seen this? Have you seen this awful culture and been like, I've got to change something? How did that affect you walking into that? I just kind of want to hear from your opinion how you've seen this firsthand. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. In my role as a turnaround um, CEO, you know, a lot of times you're walking in and you're actually having to deconstruct organizations in order to build them back up, which means you're you're instantly creating a negative environment because you're having to let people go, you're mm -hmm. having to restructure organizations, and that's a really hard thing to do. You're walking in and you're you're really representing vision and hope and growth. But in order to get there, you've got to, you sort of got to deconstruct to construct. And, and so this was multiple places and multiple times that I've had to do this. And uh, I'll tell you an interesting story. I was uh, working at an agency in New Jersey and I'd gone in there to turn it around and, and to rebuild this organization and um, had a leadership team that had been with me through a couple of other builds that I'd done. And uh, they knew me to be a believer. They knew my heart. And one of the things they knew about me is that I don't use profanity. You sound smarter when you don't, but it also, it, it's, it's not reflective of somebody who has Christ in their heart. And so I was in this meeting, uh, I remember this leadership team meeting I was in, and, and uh, there was a new person in the room that hadn't really worked with us before. You know, this is East Coast and it's pharma and it's just, it's, it's sort of a really kind of a harsh environment. So I remember F-bombs flying around like crazy. And I was getting, I was leaving the room, the meeting was over and I was leaving the room and I hear somebody who had been with me many times over say to this person, hey, just so you know, you probably heard what Matt said, but what you probably didn't pick up on is what Matt never said. That kind of language doesn't get very far around here and it doesn't set the culture that he wants to build. It's not, he, he just doesn't look favorably on it. And I, I don't remember all the exact words he said, but yeah. I just remember hearing him talk about that. And I thought, I, I never once told anybody that I don't like profanity. I just went into the organization to represent positivity and, and good dialogue and discussion and, and a heart of Jesus. I just think it's great that other people picked up on the fact that that's not language that I used and enough that they felt like they needed to tell other people, hey, yeah. this is not language that he prefers to be around. And so I think sometimes, kind of a long way of saying, sometimes it's not about going in and actively sometimes saying this is the culture that we're going to have. Sometimes it just means representing the culture that you want to have, representing the kinds of people, representing the way that you want to treat other people and respect other people and, and uh, that, you know, have done, have done all kinds of things like uh, bought a big popcorn cart to get people to gather and create culture where people get together and have fun together and enjoy each other and fellowship and share. You know, sometimes when you're in the workplace, uh, to your point about having fun and about sort of making people's day, it doesn't mean that you have to be overtly anything. It just means go be, go be who, who you know you should be. Go be who God made you to be and go represent the kingdom of God. And if you do, I, I will assure you that uh, people will feel appreciated, respected, and like they're in the place that they need to be, whether they're believers or not. I don't know how many people became believers because of the leadership style that I had, but I'd like to think that at least a few did. Was there ever an instance where it was tricky balancing having a Christian mindset, a Christian worldview, and being in the workforce that 
that is so counter everything that God embodies. I mean, you mentioned that Mm -hmm. about the cussing and I want to be accepted and I want to be included, but at the same time, I don't stand for any of this. This is not what I want to be around. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, first of all, just simply identifying yourself as a believer in a company with offices throughout the East Coast with, you know, hundreds of employees, you know, not necessarily the safest environment to 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 stand up and espouse your faith. Um, but I never shied away from it. You know, all my career was really hard because people would I, I always had this wrestle a little bit with God, which is I'm in this space. What 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 will you have me do? What's my purpose here? How much do I talk about my faith? How much do I just reflect my faith? Like what do I do here? And and I, I felt very challenged often just trying to figure out sort of what yeah. What will you have me do? Um, because I, I certainly didn't want to lose my job over over it. Um, I didn't want to offend people necessarily, but I wanted to be true to who I was. Again, it, it was less about sort of preaching chapter and verse in the workplace. It was more about reflecting the values. And I think if you're consistent in that, you know, I do brand work and we always talk about with brands, consistency is key to trust. Well, if you are consistent in your leadership, if you're consistent in who you are and in your faith, if you're consistent in how you treat people and how you act and how you talk, that consistency over time will build trust. And when you build that trust in your in who you are in the workplace, people will gravitate towards it. They'll learn to appreciate it and to like it and to respect it. Whether or not they become believers or not is is um, is something that only you know God will help us to to see through. But I do believe that that consistency is ultimately makes you happy, brings you joy, but it brings joy to the people around you too. Yeah, definitely. That's really great. I want to briefly share a story from my job. I mentioned Bob earlier. Bob is our, I want to say handyman, but he does pretty much everything. So it's honestly probably more than that. He works at the venue. He does our paint. He sets up the furniture on the vent days. He is the sweetest man I've ever met in my entire life. He's got a son that's a little bit younger than me. He's in high school. I I just, I love seeing Bob. Bob always brightens my day. He he always makes sure that I'm safe in the building. He he always asks me if I, if I want something for lunch. The more that I've gotten to know Bob and the more I've, I've learned about Bob and I've seen his heart for his son and how much he cares about his son and everything he does is for his son. I don't know what Bob believes, but it's been really beautiful to see his heart for his son and for his son to send his son to college so his son never has to think, oh, I can't go to this college because it's too expensive, which is absolutely beautiful. The more that I've gotten to know Bob as well, I've just learned that he's a lot less fortunate than I am. And so going back to those principles from the fish book, I just decided to start making his day however I could. I'll go and buy him packs of water from Walmart and make sure that the pantry is stocked and I'll go buy him candies because he loves chocolate. (laughs) And anytime there's food left over from an event, I make sure that it's saved in our fridge for him. I don't do this to make myself look better. I mean, it's literally just me and him, so who's gonna see? (laughs) But I do it because I don't know what he believes and he is the sweetest man ever and I sure would like to see him in heaven someday. So trying to embody the spirit of Christ so that one day when the chance comes for me to have that conversation with him. I think it's as important about helping people find their faith as it is about people holding on to their faith. And so you've always brought joy to people and not surprised to hear those um, things from you. And even if he is already a believer, again, go back to consistency. You, You consistently are behaving the way that people would have an expectation of. It says a lot to people whether they already have faith or not. To kind of wrap up here, I just want to ask you, how do you see God working in your job now? How do you see 
how do you see God using your job for ministry? Just kind of tell me a little bit about what you're doing now and how you see God working. Well, in some ways, um, the work that I do now, there's there's very direct application, Christ-filled business leader here in this in Franklin and just and being there for people. I think that I think it all I really love what you said about how having success and how you learn these lessons now you're just wanting to share that with other people. I feel like that is a huge sign of spiritual maturity. I think that God God will teach us these things. And then I think so many people right now, especially in this culture, highly individualistic culture, we're, we're all about me, me, me. Nobody wants to share success. Nobody wants to share their lessons. I mean, this term gatekeeping, do you know what that is? Hmm. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I barely know what it is either, but it's the I idea. I might know, but I don't. I don't. <laughs> it's the idea of like, if you, if you ask me where I got this I think that's right. Y'all correct me if I'm wrong. But we want to gatekeep those things that are giving us success so that other people can't get it. And I think it's really beautiful how God is overflowing your cup so that you want to share that with other people because I think that is so rare in today's world. I've, I've accomplished a lot and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad for the experience that I've had. Um, as you know, and, and I've told this story many times, you know, before we moved here to Franklin, Tennessee, I was, I was traveling to two different countries and five different states, Monday through Friday of every week, paying for the big house and the cars and, and all of that, and really just did not feel like chasing the big job and the big dollars was what the Lord had for me. And so when I think about my life now, my job now, and the company that I have now, I think for me, a lot of it is I just have a very different a very different view of life, a very different, I, I prioritize and I focus on things a little differently than I did when I was younger. And it's not to say that those things are wrong. I want to be really clear about that. It's just that for me, I felt like the Lord was pulling me towards something different. So for me in the business that I have, it's not to say that, you know, I don't enjoy success or I don't want success, but I want to make sure that I'm doing it in a way that honors God and, and uh, reflects who I am today and what's important to me and to my family. That's a really hard thing to do. But I think, I think the Lord ends up blessing us the more that we honor him the more that we serve him, I think he blesses us tenfold. Yeah, definitely. Kind of going off of that, making that leap is definitely scary. I know half on the family, we're just so proud of you. And that oh, is thanks. one of the things that I love to boast about most is having a dad who would give up pretty much everything to walk away from that success. There are not a lot of people that would be able to walk away from that to just start from scratch and be with the family. So probably be thanking you for the rest of my <laughs> life for that one. So in conclusion, I just want to ask you, I don't, I don't know all the demographics of my listeners, but if you could give a piece of advice to, let's say, people my age who are just now starting out, people who have big dreams, people who maybe they don't love where they are right now or they're feeling kind of stagnant. What would you, what kind of advice would you give to those kinds of people, the, those groups? The the biggest advice and I touched on a little earlier is above all else, be consistent. Think about your goals five years, 10 years, 15 years out, write them down. Think about, think about what you want to do. Think about what's important to you. Be consistent in who you are to get there. One some of the greatest advice I ever received was somebody once told me, play your game. And that means when people enter your world or where you would go into other worlds, or where you go into other jobs, your career, you're going to experience a lot of career changes. You're going to experience a lot of leadership changes and people around you are going to change. Don't adjust your game to the other individuals. Another way of thinking about that term in basketball, for example, is play the ball, not the man. As people change, as things shift, as, as people do things to you that you might find offensive or or angry or whatever, you can't take your eye off the ball. You can't, you can't stop playing your game. If you react every time to someone else in the workplace, you're not going to be consistent in who you are. They're going to make you do something or say something or act in a certain way or change the way you do things. And, and again, when once you've identified yourself as a believer, as somebody who has Christ in their heart, keep in mind that everything you say and do 
and how you perform your job and how you think about uh, your coworkers and all of that are all going to be scrutinized through that lens more so than than other lenses. Um, you know, if you were just a, a colleague in a business, and so your consistency in being that person um, is really really important because if you fail one time, trust is lost on everything else that you ever said and did. For me, I've had to put on these business glasses of like. I'm not going to take that personal. I'm just going to keep doing my thing. I'm going to keep doing my job. There's always going to be a hiccup that comes up and you've got to learn how to just roll with those hiccups, keep moving, pushing forward. My last question to you is mm -hmm. how, what is your best piece of advice for people who don't really know how to bring ministry into their job? They're scared of what other people might think. They're scared of getting canceled. I, I'm very fortunate. My bosses and my coworkers are all Christians and I'm so beyond fortunate for that. I thank God every single day for that. There are a lot of people that don't work in mm -hmm. that kind of environment. What, what is your advice for them coming from a CEO? You know, we're very fortunate here in Franklin, Tennessee, because I think a lot of businesses here are very centered around faith. There, there is a lot of believers. It, it's faith is front. I think you could go elsewhere. You can be in other cities. You could you could follow a job somewhere else or maybe be in a large organization that that doesn't necessarily have that as prolific uh, as prolific as in other places. And so one of the things that I would I would also you know reflect on is, you know, for the longest time, I thought when I first became a believer, I got to be in a place with other believers. God doesn't necessarily set that out for us. He actually will drop us into places to be a light to the verse you shared earlier. And so I think I think sometimes we have to remember that that's not necessarily the path that God has for us, that that having a faith doesn't mean go find a job where you can live your faith in comfort of other believers. Reality is we're probably going to go live our faith in a place where there aren't other believers. The, the advice I have for young career, the young in their career, looking for their jobs, wondering what's my purpose, where am I supposed to go, where am I supposed to work? It doesn't mean don't go get a great job in some great organization somewhere. Um, you just have to be thoughtful and, and think differently about how you're going to approach. Again, eat the whale one bite at a time. Yeah, that's really great advice. I also want to add that it will take a lot of time and it is not always going to be easy. And there might be some times where you're like, I want to give up and just put my head down and do the work. But it brings me to that verse. I think it's in John where it's like, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I've overcome the world. I'm pretty sure that's mom's like favorite verse. <laughs> and it is such a great verse because it's great to just read over and be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But like, actually think about it. As Christians, we're not called to an easy life, but we know how the story ends. We know what's going to happen. And why would you not want to bring everybody with you? I mean, come on, like, and like, let Jesus open those doors and open these people's hearts when it gets difficult stick with it y'all because i promise you there's at least one person who's watching and who's like hey this is not normal and i just want to encourage y'all in that to wrap up today's episode i want to give y'all a challenge to try to stick with those four main principles that we talked about from the fish book choose your attitude play make their day and be there I think that what my dad has been saying and what I've been saying today is just put your soul into your job, be consistent, exemplify Christ, and follow those four principles because those four principles are Christ-like. And in the book, it talks about this, this girl, Mary Jane. She's the example. She completely changes the culture of her workplace and it becomes a joyful place. I think what we've talked about today has been a really great example of when you let Christ do the work, Christ is joy. He will bring that joy to you. And so when you change that culture of your workplace and you let him do the work, you will find that joy in your job and you will create joy for other people. And people are going to be like, why am I happy at work? This is so weird. And you're like, that's Jesus, y'all. That's that Jesus joy. So dad, I really want to thank you for being on this podcast. Thanks for inviting me. This is awesome. Of course. I, I'm so glad you're I'll, here. I'll join you anytime.
Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning in for this first official episode of the Cara Podcast. I really hope you learned something today. And of course, if you have any questions, reach out. Follow us on Instagram at the Cara Podcast and come back next week for the next episode of our series, Business Biblically. Grace and peace, y'all.